Accommodationists. Accommodationists, in contrast, argue along with Justice William O. Douglas that we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being. Furthermore, as observed by Chief Justice Warren E. Berger and Waltz v. Tax Commission of the City of New York, 1970, with respect to the separation of church and state, no perfect or absolute separation is really possible. The very existence of the religion clauses is an involvement of sorts, one that seeks to mark boundaries to avoid excessive entanglement. He also coined the term benevolent neutrality as a combination of neutrality and accommodationism in Waltz to characterize a way to ensure that there is no conflict between the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. Berger's successor, William Rehnquist, called for the abandonment of the wall of separation between church and state metaphor in Wallace v. Jaffrey, 1985, because he believed this metaphor was based on bad history and proved itself useless as a guide to judging. David Schultz has said that accommodationists claim the lemon test should be applied selectively. As such, for many conservatives, the Establishment Clause solely prevents the establishment of a state church, not public acknowledgments of God nor developing policies that encourage general religious beliefs that do not favor a particular sect, and are consistent with the secular government's goals. In Lynch v. Donnelly, 1984, the Supreme Court observed that the concept of a wall of separation between church and state is a useful metaphor, but is not an accurate description of the practical aspects of the relationship that in fact exists. The Constitution does not require complete separation of church and state, it affirmatively mandates accommodation, not merely tolerance, of all religions, and forbids hostility toward any. Free exercise of religion. The acknowledgement of religious freedom as the first right protected in the Bill of Rights points toward the American founders' understanding of the importance of religion to human, social, and political flourishing. The First Amendment makes clear that it sought to protect the free exercise of religion, or what might be called free exercise equality. Free exercise is the liberty of persons to reach, hold, practice and change beliefs freely according to the dictates of conscience. The Free Exercise Clause prohibits government interference with religious belief in, within limits, religious practice. Freedom of religion means freedom to hold an opinion or belief, but not to take action in violation of social duties or subversive to good order. The Free Exercise Clause offers a double protection, for it is a shield not only against outright prohibitions with respect to the free exercise of religion, but also against penalties on the free exercise of religion and against indirect governmental coercion. Relying on Employment Division 5 Smith, 1990, and quoting from Church of the Lukumi Babalu I Incorporated v. Hialeah, 1993, the Supreme Court stated in Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia Incorporated v. Cummer, 2017, that religious observers are protected against unequal treatment by virtue of the Free Exercise Clause and laws which target the religious for special disabilities based on their religious status must be covered by the application of strict scrutiny. In Reynolds v. United States, 1878, the Supreme Court found that while laws cannot interfere with religious belief and opinions, laws can regulate religious practices like human sacrifice or the obsolete Hindu practice of sati. The court stated that to rule otherwise, would be to make the professed doctrines of religious belief superior to the law of the land, and in effect permit every citizen to become a law unto himself. Government would exist only in name under such circumstances. In Cantwell v. Connecticut, 1940, the court held that the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment applied the Free Exercise Clause to the states. While the right to have religious beliefs is absolute, the freedom to act on such beliefs is not absolute. Religious freedom is a universal right of all human beings and all religions, providing for the free exercise of religion or free exercise equality. Due to its nature as fundamental to the American founding and to the ordering of human society, it is rightly seen as a capricious right, for example, universal, broad, and deep, though not absolute. 
Justice Field put it clearly in Davis v. Beeson, 1890, however free the exercise of religion may be, it must be subordinate to the criminal laws of the country, passed with reference to actions regarded by general consent as properly the subjects of punitive legislation. Furthermore, the Supreme Court in Employment Division 5 Smith made clear that the right of free exercise does not relieve an individual of the obligation to comply with a valid and neutral law of general applicability on the ground that the law proscribes, or prescribes, conduct that his religion prescribes, or proscribes. United States v. Lee, 1982, Stevens J., concurring in judgment. Smith also set the precedent that laws affecting certain religious practices do not violate the right to free exercise of religion as long as the laws are neutral, generally applicable, and not motivated by animus to religion. To accept any creed or the practice of any form of worship can't be compelled by laws, because, as stated by the Supreme Court in Brownfeld v. Brown, 1961, the freedom to hold religious beliefs and opinions is absolute. Federal or state legislation can't therefore make it a crime to hold any religious belief or opinion due to the Free Exercise Clause. Legislation by the United States or any constituent state of the United States which forces anyone to embrace any religious belief or to say or believe anything in conflict with his religious tenets is also barred by the Free Exercise Clause. Against this background, the Supreme Court stated that Free Exercise Clause broadly protects religious beliefs and opinions. The free exercise of religion means, first and foremost, the right to believe and profess whatever religious doctrine one desires. Thus, the First Amendment obviously excludes all governmental regulation of religious beliefs as such. Sherbert v. Verner. The government may not compel affirmation of religious belief, see Torquiso v. Watkins, 1961, punish the expression of religious doctrines it believes to be false, United States v. Ballard, 1944, impose special disabilities on the basis of religious views or religious status, see McDaniel v. Patty, 1978, Fowler v. Rhode Island, 1953, Larson v. Valente, 1982, or lend its power to one or the other side in controversies over religious authority or dogma, see Presbyterian Church v. Hull Church, 1969, Kedrov v. St. Nicholas Cathedral, 1952, Serbian Eastern Orthodox Diocese v. Milivojevic, 1976. But the exercise of religion often involves not only belief and profession but the performance of, or abstention from, physical acts, assembling with others for a worship service, participating in sacramental use of bread and wine, proselytizing, abstaining from certain foods or certain modes of transportation. It would be true, we think, though no case of ours has involved the point, that a state would be prohibiting the free exercise if it sought to ban such acts or abstentions only when they are engaged in for religious reasons or only because of the religious belief that they display. It would doubtless be unconstitutional, for example, to ban the casting of statues that are to be used for worship purposes, or to prohibit bowing down before a golden calf. In Sherbert v. Verner, 1963, the Supreme Court required states to meet the strict scrutiny standard when refusing to accommodate religiously motivated conduct. This meant the government needed to have a compelling interest regarding such a refusal. The case involved Adele Sherbert, who was denied unemployment benefits by South Carolina because she refused to work on Saturdays, something forbidden by her Seventh-day Adventist faith. In Wisconsin v. Yoder, 1972, the court ruled that a law which unduly burdens the practice of religion without a compelling interest, even though it might be neutral on its face, would be unconstitutional. The need for a compelling governmental interest was narrowed in Employment Division 5 Smith, 1990, which held no such interest was required under the Free Exercise Clause regarding a neutral law of general applicability that happens to affect a religious practice, as opposed to a law that targets a particular religious practice, which does require a compelling governmental interest. 
in Church of Lukumi Babalu IV City of Hialeah, 1993, in which the meaning of neutral law of general applicability was elaborated by the court, the Supreme Court ruled Hialeah had passed an ordinance banning ritual slaughter, a practice central to the Santeria religion, while providing exceptions for some practices such as the kosher slaughter. Since the ordinance was not generally applicable, the court ruled that it needed to have a compelling interest, which it failed to have, and so was declared unconstitutional. In this case the Supreme Court also stated that inquiries whether laws discriminate based on religion doesn't end with the text of the laws at issue. Facial neutrality of laws, i.e. laws which are apparently neutral in their language but in reality discriminate against a particular group, is not determinative in these inquiries, because both the free exercise clause and the establishment clause extends beyond facial discrimination. The Supreme Court explained that official action that targets religious conduct for distinctive treatment cannot be shielded by mere compliance with the requirement of facial neutrality and the free exercise clause protects against governmental hostility which is masked as well as overt. The neutrality of a law is also suspect if First Amendment freedoms are curtailed to prevent isolated collateral harms not themselves prohibited by direct regulation. The court also observed, the free exercise clause protect religious observers against unequal treatment, Hobby v. Unemployment Appeals Common of Florida, 1987, Stevens, J., concurring in judgment, and inequality results when a legislature decides that the governmental interests it seeks to advance are worthy of being pursued only against conduct with a religious motivation. The principle that the government, in pursuit of legitimate interests, cannot in a selective manner impose burdens only on conduct motivated by religious belief is essential to the protection of the rights guaranteed by the Free Exercise Clause. In 1993, the Congress passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RFRA, seeking to restore the compelling interest requirement applied in Sherbert and Yoder. In City of Bernie v. Flores, 1997, the court struck down the provisions of RFRA that forced state and local governments to provide protections exceeding those required by the First Amendment, on the grounds that while the Congress could enforce the Supreme Court's interpretation of a constitutional right, the Congress could not impose its own interpretation on states and localities. Congress can enact legislation to expand First Amendment free exercise rights through its enforcement powers in Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, but to do so there must be a congruence and proportionality between the injury to be prevented or remedy and the means adopted to that end. The decision in the city of Bernie struck down the Religious Freedom Restoration Act RFRE in so far as it applied to states and other local municipalities within them, so that partly in response to a 21 states enacted state Religious Freedom Restoration Act since 1993. According to the court's ruling in Gonzalez v. UDV, 2006, RFRA remains applicable to federal laws and so those laws must still have a compelling interest. RFRA secures Congress' view of the right to free exercise under the First Amendment, and it provides a remedy to redress violations of that right. The Supreme Court decided in light of this in Tanzan v. Tanvir, 2020, that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act's express remedies provision permits litigants, when appropriate, to obtain money damages against federal officials in their individual capacities. This decision is significant not only for the plaintiffs but also for cases involving violations of religious rights more broadly. In the 1982 U.S. Supreme Court case United States v. Lee, 1982, the court declared, Congress and the courts have been sensitive to the needs flowing from the Free Exercise Clause, but every person cannot be shielded from all the burdens incident to exercising every aspect of the right to practice religious beliefs. When followers of a particular sect enter into commercial activity as a matter of choice, the limits they accept on their own conduct as a matter of conscience and faith are not to be superimposed on the statutory schemes which are binding on others in that activity. The Supreme Court in the state of Thornton v. Caldor Incorporated, 1985, 
echoed this statement by quoting Judge Learned Hand from his 1953 case Otten v. Baltimore and Ohio Our Company, 1953, the First Amendment, gives no one the right to insist that, in pursuit of their own interests others must conform their conduct to his own religious necessities. In Burwell v. Hobby Lobby Stores Inc., 2014, the Supreme Court had to decide, with a view to the First Amendment's Free Exercise Clause and the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the profound cultural question of whether a private, profit-making business organized as a corporation can exercise religion and, if it can, how far that is protected from government interference. The court decided that closely held, for-profit corporations have free exercise rights under the RFRA, but its decision was not based on the constitutional protections of the First Amendment. In Locke v. Davey, 2004, the court stated, given the historic and substantial state interest at issue, it cannot be concluded that the denial of funding for vocational religious instruction alone is inherently constitutionally suspect, explaining that denying funding a scholarship when it was going to be used for education in theology and when that state's constitution forbids state aid to religious institutions was not presumptively unconstitutional, because the state was neither criminalizing nor penalizing the study of theology. The court ruled therefore that a state has a substantial state interest in denying funding a scholarship when it was going to be used for education in theology and when that state's constitution forbids state aid to religious institutions. In Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia Incorporated v. Comer, 2017, the court ruled that denying a generally available public benefit on account of the religious nature of an institution violates the Free Exercise Clause. In Espinoza v. Montana Department of Revenue, 2020, the court ruled that the Free Exercise Clause forbade a state from denying a tax credit on the basis of a Blaine Amendment in that state's constitution, which the court said is subject to the strictest scrutiny and can only survive if it is narrowly tailored to promote interests of the highest order. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.